Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. By integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. Hey folks, thanks for joining me today on Doc Talk. My guest, Dr. Vicki Cooper here at Iowa State University's Veterinary Diagnostic and Production Animal Medicine Department when we're gonna talk about bovine viral diarrhea or BVD. It's something that has a huge implication on the health of the U.S. cow herd, and we're gonna talk about different things and strategies to find out if it is having an impact on your herd and how you can prevent it from causing problems. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Vicki Cooper. We're at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine where Dr. Cooper is a clinical professor and she is a member of the Veterinary Diagnostic and Production Animal Medicine Department. True. And she sees a lot of cases. She works with a lot of producers, veterinarians, um, very, very well known in the beef industry, somebody that we all use as a resource and thank you for taking the time out. Happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the show and, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about bovine viral diarrhea, BVD, and you've spent a lot of time looking at BVD. I've spent a, almost 30 years of looking at BVD. Yeah, so. and so let's let's just start out with the background on BVD. If you were, if a producer came up and said, you know, I really don't know much about BVD, what would what would be our elevator speech to them? So BVD is a component of multiple issues in cattle. Um, one component is abortions, right? Um, if an animal or a pregnant animal is exposed to BVD in the first four months of her gestation, she has the potential to abort, um, have a calf with congenital defects, or have what we call a persistently infected calf. So that's one component of BVD. Another component of BVD is it can cause enteric disease. Yep. Right? In conjunction with a number of other agents, it will make that worse. Um, and it's also a component of bovine respiratory disease complex. Yep, and so, you know, we hear about this persistently infected calf. You know, everybody says BVD-PI, you know. It's like it's something that, that is so common, but, but how, does, how does that happen? So that happens when a pregnant animal is infected with a non-cytopathic strain of BVD um, in the first four months of gestation. Okay. And if that calf survives having been infected and she gives birth to it, it will be a persistently infected calf. And that means persistently infected means forever? Means forever. And those animals typically shed a lot of BVD in their nasal secretions, um, feces, urine. Um, so they're kind of a little BVD factory. You bet, you bet. And and BVD can be a, you know, pretty, uh, you know, transmissible from animal to animal. Yes, very. And so the biggest concern is obviously if you have a persistently infected calf and you don't know about it, and he's out with the other pregnant, or out with the herd during bull season, then that animal's gonna shed virus to whoever he comes within, he or she comes within proximity to, and can cause additional persistently infected calves. Sure, it can cause abortions and and uh, and, and just you know, reproductive loss, failure of conception. You bet. Matter, so you bet. And then when we get them to the feed yard, that that calf can 
cause the immunosuppression of all the dependents. Exactly, right. So just picture a calf with a little cloud of BVD hovering around him, <laughs> right? And he's disseminating it to everybody else that's in the pen. Yeah, looks like pig pen on It looks like pig peanuts. pen on peanuts, yeah. <laughs> it's not dust or dirt, it's, it's BVD <laughs> virus. Right. Yeah, well, that's great. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about bovine viral diarrhea. We're gonna talk about different things that you should be looking for as a producer, things that you can be doing to work with your veterinarian and much more. We have Dr. Vicki Cooper here from Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. We'll see you here after these messages. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Vicki Cooper. We're at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine. All right, so you see a lot of cases and, and we, we have a lot of cases that are sent in. What, what are some of the things that we're doing diagnostically now for bovine viral diarrhea? So there's a lot of different options. Um, probably the gold standard for a number of years has been immunohistochemistry, which okay. stains a fixed ear notch. And if it's red, the calf's positive. If it's not red, the calf's negative. Yep. And the reason why you can take a chunk of ear is because that BVD virus in a persistently infected calf is everywhere. Every cell of the body. Every cell of the body. Unbelievable. So, so that's the gold standard. What are some, some other types so, of tests? So there's other tests that are just as good or very good. Um, one's the BVD ELISA. You can use it on serum or near notch. Um, we usually recommend the ELISA on ear notches for animals that are younger. Um, once they go over six months of age or so, you can use a serum sample. Okay. Um, we also have BVD PCR, which is a very sensitive detection test. Um, and we actually use that on both pooled ear notches that are fresh or pooled serum samples or tissue samples from a dead calf. Yeah, and we've been doing a lot more of that uh, in the animals that we send in. You just get that PCR type panel right. that picks up everything. and. Uh, it's quick too. It's quick. So for us, um, for instance, a calf that has pneumonia that your veterinarian sends a sample into, the same day we get the sample, you'll have a test result for our PCR. So yeah. same day turnaround is pretty nice. So when people, let's, I mean, obviously we want people to work with their veterinarian. Um, however, what are what are some of the times or, or opportunities for testing or maybe not testing or you know in, in your herd that, that we see? So that really is um, I really encourage people to sit down with their veterinarian and kind of assess what the risk of having BVD is before they decide to spend money on diagnostic testing. Right. Um, oftentimes if they are aware that they have a persistently infected calf or have had a persistently infected calf, we actually recommend that they test those calves when they hit the ground, when they're take, putting their tag in, um, giving them their vaccines, whatever, go ahead and take that ear notch. Um, you can save up a group of them to send in uh, to be tested, but it works out very well for most people to just test them as they're processing them. Gotcha. Um, we have other individuals that that is not as handy for them, so they will test them at weaning, which is not as advantageous. And and so when we, if you do it on the calves, you also need to remember to do anything that was open. Anything that bulls. was open, bulls, absolutely. Yep. Well, folks, work with your local veterinarian. Work with people like Dr. Cooper. 
to assess your situation, determine what type of test, when to test, things to that nature. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about biosecurity and vaccination here with Dr. Vicki Cooper at Iowa State University. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Vicki Cooper, who is a clinical professor here at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine within the Veterinary Diagnostic and Production Animal Medicine Department. And uh, Dr. Cooper, you know, when we, we we're talking about BVD and, and testing, but what are some of the things producers can do as far as biosecurity, vaccination, different things to that nature? Well, I think it's important to remember that you need to have a biosecurity, a plan in place before you start testing, right? Because if you're gonna test, but you don't have a plan, you've really wasted your diagnostic dollar. Right. So that's why it's so important to get with your veterinarian and, and just make a plan, right? Um, evaluate your vaccination program. Um, see if there's changes you need to make in your vaccination program. Evaluate how you bring new animals in. My favorite story is it's taken me 15 years to convince my husband not to buy a cow and bring her straight home and put her in with the rest of the cows. Right. Right. <laughs> um, things like that, right? Because if you don't have those kind of situations in place, how much need, should you even test, right? right. Because um, you're just going to continually re potentially re-expose your herd to a persistently infected animal. So. And and jumping forward, you know, vaccines can be pretty protective and Very help so. and help with the prevention of the fetal infections and and cow and bull and and even in the feedlot. So, thoughts on vaccinations? Um, really encourage, at least from my perspective, really encourage people to make sure that they have um, any replacement heifers. Um, that kind of thing, well vaccinated before you even think about starting to get them bred. Right? You bet. Um, and I lean a little bit more towards using modified lives, but that doesn't mean you can't use a modified live program. And then as your management scheme changes, shift to a killed product. So. I'm seeing quite a bit of that, that, that in, in using a modified live in our replacement heifers, and then once we're doing that booster with the bread, the people are switching to the killed, killed vaccines, in, yeah. the, in the bred cows. And again, that's you, if you want to enlist a fight at a veterinary meeting, say just, it's kind of like the Miller Lite tastes great, less filling. If you just say right. modified live or killed and the room automatically divides. It will split right down the middle. And the fight ensues. So work with your local veterinarian and, and that knows the cows, knows the geography, knows the sale barns, knows the systems. Knows your management system. Yeah, absolutely. So many, so many different. Um, because nothing is one size fits all. Right. right. Whether it's diagnostic testing or whether it's your vaccine program or whether it's your biosecurity program. So. Yeah, and, and so, but the big thing is that I think you drove home is have a plan. Have a plan. Don't do the testing. You know, Dad always said that you, it was easier to sell a vaccine for a few thousand dollars than to sell a diagnosis for a few dollars. That is true. And, that is true. And and this one is one of those, as you list, it takes a plan. It takes with a plan. The vaccination. Yeah, yeah. Because, like I said, if you don't have a plan, you probably are wasting your diagnostic dollars. 
Perfect. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do a wrap-up with Dr. Vicki Cooper here at Iowa State University on bovine viral diarrhea. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Vicki Cooper at Iowa State University's College of Veterinary Medicine talking about bovine viral diarrhea, otherwise known as BBD. And so, you know, we talked about how it happens and, and what it can affect and diagnostic testing and, and vaccination, but how prevalent? I mean, tell me what, what you've been seeing over the, the years of, of studying this. Is it, are we more, less? So over the last 10 years of running a, quite a few diagnostic tests here at Iowa State University, we've really not seen the prevalence shift a lot when you average it out over time. So it stays about 0.15% of the population, which doesn't really sound like very much. But what we do see is producers that will have clusters of cases. Um, so you have a producer that perhaps has 30 cows or so, they may end up having six head of persistently infected calves. Mm. Right, yeah. and that's a, that's a huge economic insult to somebody that has thirty head of cows. Absolutely, right? and so that's how typically in the beef industry it tends to shake out. Right, They'll, we'll have producers that have clusters of calves um, as they test and initiate vaccination programs, biosecurity programs. Maybe the next year they'll just have one persistently infected calf, but typically they'll clear up their herd fairly quickly. That's why they'll continue to test and so our, the overall prevalence looks very low because most TERS will continue to test over time after they've had a cluster of persistent Yeah, we're not going to have that happen again. Right, we're exactly. We're going to stay on top of it and probably err to the side of... Probably over-testing to some degree. Right, right. Um, you know, when, when we see those clusters, is it usually, you know, something triggered people to do the testing to begin with, like a bunch of open cows or Or they've got you know, calves. calves out on pasture and they lose one, um, call their veterinarian to come out and do a post-mortem examination. They send in tissues and lo and behold, we find that the calf's BVD positive, right? And then it's like, oh, well, we better start taking, test, a, look. taking a look. What are some of the, I mean, ethics around BVD? Um, that's the hard part, right? Um, because typically we recommend that if a calf is persistently infected that either you quarantine it and feed it out yourself or you humanely euthanize it. Um, it's obviously not very ethical to run it through the sale bar and make it someone else's problem. Right. And you know, I, I know you saw this, but the, even Texas is even looking at making BBD a reportable disease. Yes, they are. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, because I have a feeling that if they make it a reportable disease, yet there's no program in place to compensate producers that find it in their herds, they'll probably just see a cessation of testing. Right. Yeah, we just won't. We, we just won't, won't look. Know. We won't look, so we yeah. don't know. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's uh, and thanks for all you do for us in the beef industry and in the veterinary profession. We're very thankful. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks for watching Doc Talk here from Iowa State University. Remember, always work with your local veterinarian. And if you want to know more about what we do on Doc Talk, you can find us on the web at www.doctalktv.com. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson with Dr. Vicki Cooper. We'll see you down the road. Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. 
by integrating the comprehensive animal health product portfolio of Merck Animal Health with the innovative technologies of all flex livestock intelligence, we are shaping the future of animal health, resulting in more effective solutions and healthier animals. They're here, they're hungry, and they can't be stopped with ivermectin. Choose Safeguard when you deworm your cattle to take out resistant parasites like brown stomach worm, cuperia, nematodirus, and others. With Safeguard's efficacy, you can kill more resistant worms in your cattle, so you don't leave potential on the table. Consult your veterinarian for the diagnosis and treatment of parasitism, then bite back at safeguardworks.com. At Daniels Manufacturing, we know that you're not always going to be able to work cattle in a permanent facility. That's why we have designed portable equipment built with the same quality and innovation as our stationary equipment. Our portable equipment can be set up with stationary corrals or just pull the pins and move to a new location. And setting up our portable double alleyways and our all hydraulic portable chute is quick and easy. Keep yourself and your cattle safer with less stress working in the field with our portable equipment. For more information or to find your perfect portable solution, contact Daniels Manufacturing Company today.